that's uh, that's quite the moody intro, Katie. I thought you said you liked it. Yeah, I know. It didn't sound like that moody when we listened to it yesterday. Well, like, I mean, it's a little late now. Ah, Katie, don't get your knickers in a twist. Come on, we'll get started. Jesus. I'm only messing with you. (laughs) All right, but um, maybe to to get started or at least to get back on script. um, Welcome, listeners, to Chicklet for Life. Um, This show is going to be about how uh, books with pink covers um, brought us, five friends, closer together. So I guess maybe if we get started with some introductions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. sounds good. Yeah, girls, isn't Sarah so professional right now? It's <laughs> kind of scary, all right. <laughs> Thanks, Katie. Hey, you live to serve. <laughs> um, okay, well, sure. Introductions, anyway. Um, I can start. Um, I'm Sarah. I'm from Kildare, and I'm in my first year of um, multimedia. Um, me next? Okay. Um, hi, everyone. I'm Sersha. I'm from Drumcondra and I'm in my first year of biotechnology. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Chloe. Uh, I'm from Only Down the Road in Cabra and I'm in my first year of general science. Uh, hi, I'm Katie. Uh, I'm from Galway and I'm in first year of uh, environmental science. Um, I'm Tina, um, I'm from Atai, and I'm in my first year of pharmaceutical science. A L- lot of science in the room. I wonder, actually, if there is like a study on the correlation between enjoyment of, of chiclet and uh, scientific leanings. Why would you try to like ruin the one thing that brings us joy, Sarah? <laughs> I'm just not a very nice person, I guess. Story checks out, but um, uh, maybe to get us back on script um, to start with, um, maybe if we start off with the whole Sersha getting her heart broken thing. Jesus, don't like hold back around in there, Sarah. Yeah, like that was real bad and all. Like, like Sersha, are you all right to talk about all this stuff? Because like I will still find him and like kick the shit out of him. Like I'll, I'll do that. Bit of a cabra justice there. Is that what that is? Classism. Classism, everybody. <laughs> Katie can't uh, compete in the woke Olympics now because uh, where's my red card? Actually, I'm going to send you off. That's, like, that's not how the Olympics work. There's no woke Olympics. Like, will you stop like saying it? And like, why would there be red card? Just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, okay. Um, maybe again, getting a little sidetracked here, guys. Maybe if we um shoot back to you Sersha if that's okay with you with you oh like of course I mean Chloe I mean like this is something that we that we had discussed before you know this this is definitely what you know we were going to talk about so um right it's it's not as dramatic as it sounds okay when we all started in college together I was still with um my first boyfriend and um, oh, he, like we'd been together since third year in school and um, like uh, I guess I was like swept up in the whole like romance side of things you, you know like you know you're with your first boyfriend and you sort of think that you're in a Disney movie or something you kind of are um, princess though <laughs> well, like we um, we went to different colleges um, which is fine you know I, I wanted to come here um, and he wanted to go to UCD you know that's where his dad went it's something that like he had been aiming to do for, for ages and um you know we didn't have too much time together over the leaving search you know we both had to really really study I mean he's doing law which is it's a big deal you know and I totally get it and I had a lot of hockey practice going on and 
shut up. I, so I play hockey. It's not that big. Jesus, <clears throat> God, okay. Um, oh, yeah, sorry, sorry, Sarah, moving on. Um, but like we, we stayed together all summer. I mean, he went traveling with his friends and we still stayed together. I mean, we would Skype and talk for ages and, you know, and I thought everything was, was fine, you know? And, um, and like we got to the beginning of the college year and, um, he called me up, you know, to, to get together. Um, and, and, but when I did, he, oh my God, why is like, this is old news. Why am I getting upset? But like... No, he just, he said that there was just, there was just too much going on and, oh, God, so embarrassing. So embarrassing. Like, seriously, I'm totally, totally fine with it. But, like, it's just, it's weird to think about, like, how upset I was, if that makes sense. Right before the Debs and all. You know, that was, like, the worst part. Like, I mean, it was it was fine. I mean, like, one of my um, older brother's friends took me. And, I mean, like, he's such a great guy. I've known him for years. We had a great night and everything. But, like, it was the last school thing, you know? Like, everybody knew and he was there. With somebody. Well, it was just... It's it's so weird, though. Like, would it have been better if he had waited until, like, after the Debs to break up? I know, right? It's like, it's all so mixed up. And so, oh. the point is, I guess, anyway, I was, like, by the time we were at, like, the third or fourth week in college, semester one, like, I was very, very sad. Um, Just when we were kind of starting to all get to know each other in, in this group. But then... Oh, segue. Da, 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 da. <laughs> These are so weird. Oh, you just don't understand our type of brilliance, you know. Truly not appreciated in our own time. Right. Um. No, I'm not going by. I'm not going by Sarah. I'm going to go stay on script and talk about Sarah. Okay. I was reading this book that me ma had at home. Right. She has all the books from the same writer and I started milling through them like and I mean I don't really read I prefer listening to podcasts and all that like when I'm on the bus or like when I'm walking in or whatever you know but these books I mean they were deadly and like and then when Saoirse was there at the beginning of like last semester and she you're mad into reading aren't you Saoirse so like I said it to her that like maybe if she had a read of one of these you know it might cheer her up a bit I I mean I read a lot like (laughs) like a lot why do you read so much, Chloe? What? what? I'm, like, I'm only asking. It's a compliment. Jesus. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, it's like, like, if you're watching TV or, like, a film or anything like that, like, you're, you're on your phone, you're checking Instagram, you're getting up and you're making tea. Like, when I'm reading, I'm, like, totally engrossed, you know? Like, an hour goes by, two hours go by. Like, I mean, I read Watermelon in a day. It was, Chloe was absolutely right. It was exactly what I needed. Um, oh, okay. Um, so, like, let's let's go back a tiny bit. So, Chloe, maybe if you tell us a little more, um, like, about the books themselves and, like, why you thought it would be good for, for Saoirse to take a look. You are a true professional. You know that, Sarah? <sighs> Just tell okay, story, well, anyway. Um, so... The summer after me leaving, okay, I went to Termalinos with me mum and me auntie. And like I was all organized, like, but then like the second I get there, like my Kindle breaks. Like, oh my God, I was so upset. Like I had all the Da Vinci codes I was going to read. I had them all like loaded up and ready to go and like everything all gone. Don't leave use our Kindles out in the sun. I mean, they say that they're okay for that, but it doesn't work. 
Um, that's just that's just a little tip from your auntie Chloe, uh, <laughs> listeners. Anyway, so um, my mom she has these couple of paperbacks with her that she always brings away with her. Like she brings the same four books away with her every single holiday. They're, they're falling apart. I don't know how this, the pages are still in them. She doesn't read nothing else. But anyway, so. I'm down at the pool one of the days and I pick one of them up because the two L ones are in the pool doing aqua aerobics and the novelty is worn off. Do you know what I mean? Like there's only so long you can watch the two of them bouncing around in there with the bleeding foam noodles things. Oh, Jesus. I only got about two days out of that, if I'm honest. So I pick up one of the books because I'm bored down my tree. Um, my mad finished it already so she wasn't going to take the face off me when she saw me with it. Um, <laughs> and I started reading. And like, lads, it was so good. It was brilliant like so funny like loads going on I milled through what I did and then like I started reading the other ones that my ma had brought over the holiday they were all written by the same girl they were all written by this girl Marion Keys. and then when I get home I just start reading everything else she's ever written I go to the library anything I can get my hands on by her I'm reading it and then, you know, I start college, I meet Jews girls, and then that thick Adon breaks up with our Saoirse, our princess Saoirse. And like, she was just so sad and just, you know, she was losing weight and everything. Like, and just, I, I knew there was only one answer. So I belt at home. I grab a couple of my Mads Marion Keys books and I bring them up here for Saoirse. Did I save her life? Like, I mean, I don't want to put no words in anybody's mouth or anything, but um, yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> no like I really I really am so grateful like it's 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 hard to explain I've been thinking about this um coming up to the show like why I loved the books so much when you gave them to me and why they were so important like there I suppose like there's a romance at the at the center of the books and everything which is which helps you know when you're coming out of a breakup but um I don't know the the characters I think were were the main thing and and I guess the main thing that I I found to be a real comfort when when I was when I was getting getting over um, the the whole situation. Well, like, let's maybe not get right down into the detail on it just yet. But Sersh is only explaining why we enjoyed the book so much. Oh well, that's that, that's it. Like, let's let's look at how everybody else got involved. Like, so so going back maybe to the beginning of semester one, you guys um, were all friends from like the the very first week, right? Yeah, in and around. Like me and Sersha met in the line for ID photos at registration, and and me and Chloe met in the queue for getting our children's allowance forms stamped. And then Kleena and I ran into each other at the Freshers Bowl, and again when we were signing up for film sock. Yeah, and, and then we all saw each other at lectures, and and we all started going for lunch together, and and I suppose that was that until I came along. <laughs> yeah, until you came along. But uh, yeah, uh, Chloe and Sersha were having all these great conversations about these books and Sersha wasn't like so sad anymore because like it was it was kind of scary there for a while. Like um, like then Chloe recommended that I take a look at the books and I was down over the whole thing with the, the Radioheads lads. Here, here, you don't have to get into any of that. No, no, it's OK. Um, sorry. Uh, so yeah, around then I was kind of down over making a bit of a tool of myself on Radioheads earlier this year. Like you might remember this girl went on back in semester one to promote a table quiz to raise money for a FemSoc event and the, the lads on Radioheads kind of dragged her a bit with, with all of this anti-feminist stuff that they'd prepared. 
uh yeah that was that was me they were such assholes about it like they had some good points like about like men being in the most dangerous jobs and everything but they they didn't have to be like so horrible about it like chloe dude we've been through this like men doing more dangerous jobs is just another effect of the ridiculous idea that women are inferior to men and need to be protected like it's all bullshit Lads, seriously, the language has got to come down or we're going to get thrown off the air. I keep your knickers on, Sarah. There are no three-year-olds in college. Come on. Who's going to be offended? Be surprised. Like, loads of people wrote in after that show that I was on on Radioheads. They said that, like, I don't know. They were just real offended by the fact that, like, Femsock existed at all. It was really strange. Yeah, but, like, saying arsehole is funny. Feminism and Femsock, those aren't funny. Right, Katie? I'm not, like, the Pope of feminism, Chloe. Then why do you go on like that? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, um, so, Cleana, you were down after having, like, a bad experience on air, so Chloe recommended you take a look at these books as well? Uh, yeah, she thought they'd cheer me up, you know, and, and they did, like, sort of the same as what Saoirse said, like, they kind of read themselves, like... It's something about like maybe the voice of the main character is always so strong like and the places like you recognize them so you're like in the book when you're reading it you know it's it's kind of hard to to feel lonely when when you're when you're reading something like that and uh and then me and Katie got involved because we um we felt left out pretty much yeah but yeah, that that's pretty much our uh, our origin story right there. We uh, after that we decided to to read the back catalogue together. We uh, had lunch. Well, clearly we had lunch like every day, but one lunch a week was dedicated to talking about the book we'd read that week, um, dissecting all the the sexy bits, all the funny bits, all the sad bits, and and yeah, it it made a difference. Yeah, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. oh my god, so much like. It just, it's so hard to explain. Well, I mean, that's that's kind of why um, I was able to put together a, a pitch for, for this show that like maybe we could get together and, and talk about a, a couple of the books that, that made a difference to us and, and why they did. Um, because the thing is, we found during those conversations that the, the idea of Chicklet and, and what it's come to, to represent to people was, was something that kind of resonated with us. Yeah, like I was, I was on the bus, I think, um, and... I was reading my book, but like I didn't want people to like see that it was like had a pink cover and, and all that kind of thing. And um, so I came in and I, I said that just like off the cuff. And then um, uh, the uh, Her Holiness over here um, raised, <laughs> raised an interesting point. Fine, whatever. <laughs> yeah, like we were we were talking about like the fact that these books like made a difference to us. There was something in there that like, I don't know, we, we needed and the, the way that they were written were like was like really great. So like why why is the term like chicklet or like reading a book that's clearly in that genre? Why should that be a source of shame for like anybody? Because we we did kind of feel that that like it it would be very different if you were reading like I don't know a Dostoevsky book or something like that. You'd have the cover up over your head. Hey, I'm a smart person. Whereas like it's it's just societal conditioning that we feel that a pink covered book is is something to be ashamed of. 
So we decided that we'd uh, we'd reclaim the title. You know, we are all going to get matching chiclet for life uh, tattoos, if, if if I'm not mistaken. No, like, stop joking about that. Like, what if my brother hears that? No, seriously, my mum will go spare. <laughs> never gets old, Lena, seriously. Good job, girl. Uh, you know, it's it's when you're good at something and, and upsetting Sarah seems to be my calling. OK, um, well, well, in-group bullying aside, um, that's that's all of the backstory, you guys. We're uh, we're going to take a quick break here, but we'll be back um, after these messages uh, to discuss the first book um, that that we all read together. Um, the, the cure for Saoirse's breakup heartbreak and and Kleena's uh, upsetting experience in semester one and Marion Keyes' watermelon. So stay tuned. Mature student? Excuse me? Worried that you're crazy out of touch? I'm really not okay with you speaking to me like that. Embarrassed because you thought visco girls and e-girls were the same thing? I'd really appreciate if you could get out of my way now, please. Well, don't worry, because Comstock is here to help. Join our one-day seminar on social media usage in the Student Union Office, Thursday, 23rd of February. We'll introduce you all to the below apps. Facebook. All right, Granda. Are you speaking to me? I'm, I'm only 29. Twitter? I mean, do you have your Extinction Rebellion sign ready or what? Well, will there be a segment on climate change? Instagram? Drop your hip. I, I really don't understand what's going on right now. Snapchat. Don't use the dog filter. That's for experienced users only. I, um... Twitch. I mean, do you even play Fortnite? What are you talking I genuinely don't understand what's going on right now. And that's why you need to come. Thursday the 23rd. <laughs> Write it down with a pen or whatever it is you people do. Seminar provided by Comstock and the School of Communications. Participation does not guarantee social acceptance. Please use social media responsibly. Can it, can it say stuff like that? It does seem mean, doesn't it? You guys, we're, we're back we're back on here. Um, um, okay, so welcome everyone uh, back to Chiclet for Life. Uh, we've been talking about um, how we came across Marion Keyes' books as a group and uh, the difference they made to each of us personally. We were. Um, it's uh, unlikely that you've stayed with us this long and, and don't know who Marion Keys is, but on the off chance that you'd like a little bit of an introduction, um, Marion Keys is one of the most successful Irish novelists of all time. Though she was brought up in a home where a lot of oral storytelling went on, it never occurred to her that she could write. Instead, she studied law and accountancy and started writing short stories in 1993 out of the blue. Though she had no intention of ever writing a novel, it would take too long. She sent her short stories to a publisher with a letter saying that she'd started work on a novel. The publishers replied, asking to see the novel, and once her panic had subsided, she began to write what subsequently became her first book, Watermelon. And, as we mentioned before the break, as luck would have it, Watermelon is the first book we all read and the one we're going to discuss today. <laughs> Watermelon! Watermelon! <laughs> So, Katie, since you're leading all the conversation off mic, um, maybe you could give us a quick plot summary of the book, you know, keeping spoilers to a minimum and all that stuff. Uh, sure. Um, so the the book starts off with the protagonist, Claire, protagonist, <laughs> telling dude, us that her husband left her Seriously. on the same day her baby girl was born. Prick. 
so yeah, this is this is the the blurb, uh, I guess. Um, on the day she gives birth to her first child, Claire Walsh's husband James tells her that he's been having an affair, and now's the right time to leave her. Right for who exactly? Exhausted, tearful, and a tiny bit furious, Claire can't think what to do. So she follows the instincts of all self-respecting adults in tricky situations and runs home to mum and dad. But while her parents are sympathetic, Claire's younger sisters are less so. Helen wants to share the new toy, she means baby Kate, while Anna is too busy having out-of-her-head experiences. So when James slips back into her life, desperate to put things right, Claire doesn't know whether to take a chance on a past she'd feared she'd lost forever or face an uncertain future on her own. But is she as on her own as she really believes? Okay, nice. Thanks, Katie. I live to serve. <laughs> and uh, the whole watermelons thing for our listeners that don't attend Thursday night pizza in searches. Ah, the uh, the entire student population aside from us, you mean? Precisely. <laughs> so, one day we were talking about the book before we moved on to Rachel's holiday. More on that next week, folks. And uh, I started calling the book Water Malone. <laughs> like, it's so stupid. It's a word my little sister uses for boobs. Like, oh, holy moly, look at them water malones on Kim Kardashian. She'd want to be careful going for a jog with them bouncing around the place. <laughs> It uh, it does make for a change for the more common ditties in and around where we're from, right, Cleana? I still wear a ditty holder. Bras are pure notions. <laughs> Country people are weird. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Chloe, maybe if we start with why you thought this was the book to start Saoirse off with on her heartbreak recovery journey. Why, yes, I will. Thank you for asking, Sarah. Well, like, first off, it's the first book in the Marion Keys canon. Did I use that word right? <laughs> Deadly. But it's also the first time that we meet the Walsh family. All right. The Walshes. Big fans of the Walsh family here at Chicklet for Life. But um, before we get into too much detail with that, um, we, we have an excerpt to read. Um, maybe maybe if we move to that. Um, let's see. Sersha, what given that this, like we said, was, was your... Um, a heartbreak journey, maybe, if you want to give this one a go. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, um, sure. It's here. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, oh, before I start, am I right in saying that we've cut some of this out for time? I know that we tried reading this before and that the whole beginning was was way too long. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we've cut out some some bits and pieces. But Sarah, am I right in saying that if folks go to the the Marion Keys website, I think it's marionkeys.com, they should be able to read the whole, I think it's like the whole first chapter. Um, so yeah, if, if you like what you read, take a look, blah, blah, blah. Um, sorry, 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 sorry. Okay. Um, February the 15th is a very special day for me. It's the day I gave birth to my first child. It's also the day my husband left me. As he was present at the birth, I can only assume that the two events weren't entirely unrelated. I knew I should have followed my instincts. I subscribe to the classical, or you might say, the traditional role fathers play in the birth of their children, which goes as follows. Lock them in a corridor outside the delivery room. Allow them admittance at no time. Give them 40 cigarettes and a lighter. Instruct them to pace at the end of the corridor. When they reach this happy position, instruct them to turn around and return whence they came. Repeat as necessary. Conversation should be curtailed. They are allowed to exchange a few words with, with any other prospective fathers pacing alongside them. My first, wry smile. Congrats. 
My third. Rueful smile. Well done. Forced smile. Is he trying to imply that he's more virile than me? Feelings do tend to run high around this time. Or they are allowed to fling themselves on any doctor who emerges exhausted from the delivery room, covered in blood up to his elbows and gasp, any news doctor. To which the doctor might reply, oh God, no man. So she's only three centimetres dilated. And your man will nod knowingly while understanding nothing other than the fact that there's still a fair bit of pacing to go. He is also allowed to let a spasm of anguish pass over his face when he hears the agonies of his loved one within. And when it's all over and mother and child have been cleaned up and mother is in a clean night and is lying back against the lacy pillows looking exhausted but joyful and the perfect infant is suckling at her breast, then, and only then, should the father be permitted to enter. But no, I give in to peer pressure and agree to be all new age about it. I was very doubtful, I can tell you. I mean, I wouldn't want any of my close friends or relatives at the removal of, say, my appendix. Humiliating. You'd be at such a disadvantage. All these people looking at you, at places of yourself you'd never seen before, not even with a mirror. I didn't know what my large intestine looked like. And by the same token, I didn't know what my cervix looked like. And nor did I want to. But half of the staff of St. Michael's Hospital did. I felt at a great disadvantage. That I wasn't doing myself justice. To put it simply, I was not looking my best. As I say, a humiliation kind of business. I'd seen enough macho, inarticulate lorry drivers on the telly, a tear in their eye, a catch in their voice, struggling to tell you about how being present at the birth of their child was the most pro, pro, deep thing that had ever happened to them. And I'd heard stories about beer-slugging jock rugby players who invited the entire team around to watch the video of their wife giving birth. But again, you'd wonder about their motives. Anyway, James and I got all emotional about it and decided he should be there. So that's the story of how he was there at the birth. The story of why and how he left me is a bit longer. I'm sorry, you must think I'm very rude. We've hardly even been introduced and here I am telling you about all the awful things that have happened to me. Let me just give you the briefest outline of myself and I'll save details like, for example, my first day at school until later, if we have the time. Let's see, what should I tell you? Well, my name is Claire and I'm 29 and as I mentioned, I've just had my first child two days ago. A little girl, seven pounds, four ounces, totally beautiful. And my husband, did I mention his name is James, told me about 24 hours ago that he has been having an affair for the past six months with, and get this, not even his secretary or someone glamorous from work, but with a married woman who lives in the flat two doors below us. I mean, how suburban can you get? And not only is he having an affair, but he wants a divorce. I'm sorry if I'm being unnecessarily flippant about this. I'm, I'm all over the place. In a moment, I'll be crying again. And uh, I'm still in shock, I suppose. Her name is Denise, and I know her quite well. Not quite as well as James does, obviously. The awful thing is, she always seemed to be really nice. She's 35. Don't ask me how I know this. I just do. And at the risk of sounding very sour grapes and losing your sympathy, she does look 35. And she has two children and a nice husband. Quite apart from my one, that is. And apparently she's moved out of her flat and he's moved out of his, or ours, I should say. And they've both moved into a secret one in a new location. Can you believe it? How dramatic can you get? I know her husband is Italian, but I don't think he's likely to kill the pair of them. He's a waiter, not a mafia stooge, so what is he going to do? Black pepper them to death? Compliment them into a coma? Run them over with the dessert trolley? But again, I seem flippant. I'm not. I'm heartbroken. And it's all such a disaster. I don't even know what to call my little girl. 
James and I had discussed some names, or in retrospect, I had discussed them and he had pretended to listen, but we hadn't decided on anything definite. And I seemed to have lost the ability to make decisions on my own. Pathetic, but that's marriage for you. Bang goes your sense of personal autonomy. I wasn't always like this. Once I was strong-willed and independent, but all that seems like, like a long, long time ago. I've been with James for five years, and we've been married for three. And my God, but I love that man. Although we had a less than auspicious start, the magic took hold of us very quickly, and we both agree that we both fell in love about 15 minutes after we met, and we stayed that way. Or at least I did. For a long time, I thought I'd never meet a man who wanted to marry me. Well, perhaps I should qualify that. I never thought I'd meet a nice man who wanted to marry me. Plenty of lunatics, undoubtedly, but a nice man, a little bit older than me, with a decent job, good-looking, funny, kind, you know. One that didn't look at me askance when I mentioned the Partridge family. Not one who promised to take me out for a night at McDonald's just as soon as they were finished their intercerts or their GCSEs, for any non-Irish people that may be reading. Or, and this is an aside, this is not in the book, uh, their leaving cert for, for any present-day people that are listening. Um, back to the book. Uh, not one who apologised for not being able to get me a birthday present because their estranged wife had taken all their salary under a court maintenance order. Not one who made me feel old-fashioned and inhibited because I got angry when he said that he'd screwed his ex-girlfriend the night before he screwed me. My God, you convent girls are all so uptight. Not one who made me feel inadequate because I couldn't tell the difference between Piadior and Zinfandel, whatever those are. James didn't treat me in any of these unpleasant ways. It seemed almost too good to be true. He liked me. He liked almost everything about me. And after a while, we moved in together. And after a bit longer, we got married. And a couple of years later, we decided to have a baby and my ovaries seemed to be game and his spermatozoa registered no complaint on that score and my womb had no objection, so I got pregnant. And I gave birth to a baby girl. And if you were hoping for or expecting some kind of awful, gory depiction of childbirth with talk of stirrups and forceps and moans of agony and vulgar comparisons with excreting a four-stone sack of potatoes, then I'm sorry to disappoint you. Well, all right then, just to humour you. Take your worst period pain ever and multiply it by 7 million and make it last for about 24 hours and then you have some idea of what labour pains are like. Yes, it was scary and messy and humiliating and quite alarmingly painful, but also, like, exciting and thrilling and wonderful. But the most important thing for me was that it was over. I could kind of remember the pain, but it no longer had the power to hurt me. But when James left me, I realised I'd rather go through the pain of a hundred labours than go through the pain of losing him that I felt then. This is how he broke the news of his imminent departure to me. After I held my baby in my arms for the first time, the nurses took her away to the baby ward and I was brought back to my ward and went to sleep for a while. I woke up to find James standing over me, staring down at me, his eyes very green in his white face. I smiled up at him sleepily and triumphantly. Hello, darling, I grinned. Hello, Claire, he said formally and politely. Fool that I was, I thought he was being grave and serious as some kind of mark of respect. Behold my wife, she was delivered today of a child, she is woman, she is life-giver, you know, that kind of thing. He sat down, he sat on the edge of the hard hospital chair looking as if he was going to get up and run away any second, which indeed he was. Have you been to the baby ward to see her, I asked him dreamily, she's so beautiful. No, I haven't, he said shortly. Look, Claire, I'm leaving, 
he said abruptly. Why? I asked, snuggling back into my pillows. You've only just got here. Yes, I know. I can't believe I said that either. Who writes my lines? Claire, listen to me, he said, getting a bit agitated. I'm leaving you. What? I said, slowly and carefully. I must admit he had my attention now. Look, Claire, I'm really sorry, but I've met someone else and I'm going to be with her. And I'm sorry about the baby and everything and to leave you like this, but I must, he blurted out, as white as a ghost, his eyes bright with anguish. What do you mean you've met someone else? I asked, bewildered. I mean that, well, I've fallen in love with someone else, he said, looking wretched. What do you mean, another woman or something? I asked, feeling as if I'd been given a blow to the base of my skull with a cricket bat. Yes, he said, no doubt relieved that I seemed to have grasped the basics of the situation. And you're leaving me, I echoed him disbelievingly. Yes, he said, looking at his shoes, at the ceiling, at my bottle of Lucasade, at anything other than my eyes. But don't you love me anymore? I found myself asking. I don't know. I don't think so, he replied. But what about the baby? I asked, stunned. He couldn't possibly leave me, but he especially couldn't leave me now that we had a baby together. You've got to take care of the two of us. I'm sorry, but I can't, he said. I'll make sure that you're taken care of financially, and we'll sort something out about the flat and the mortgage and all that, but I have to go. I couldn't believe we were having this conversation. What the hell was he talking about? Flats and money and mortgages and crap. According to the script, we should be cooing over our baby and gently arguing about which side of the family she got her looks from. But James, my James, was talking about leaving me. Who's in charge around here? I'd like to complain about my life. I distinctly ordered a happy life with a loving husband to go with my newborn baby and what was this shoddy travesty that I'd been served up instead? Jesus, Claire, he said, I hate to leave you like this, but if I come home with you and the baby now, I won't ever be able to leave. But wasn't that the whole idea? I thought, bewildered. I know that there's no good time to tell you something like this. I couldn't tell you when you were pregnant in case you lost the baby, so I have to tell you now. James, I said faintly, this is all very weird. Yes, I know, he agreed hurriedly. You've been through a lot in the last 24 hours. Why were you at the birth if you planned to leave me the minute it was over? I asked him, holding his arm, trying to get him to look at me. Because I promised, he said, shaking my hand off his arm and not meeting my eyes, looking like a chastised schoolboy. Because you promised, I said, trying to make sense of this. But you've promised me loads of things, like to cherish me and love me till death do us part. Well, I'm sorry, he mumbled, but I can't keep those promises. So what's going to happen? I asked numbly. I didn't for a second accept a single word of what he was saying. But the man keeps playing even though no one is dancing. I was having what, to all intents and purposes, might appear to the impartial observer to be a conversation with James. But it wasn't a conversation at all because I didn't mean anything that I said and I didn't accept anything that he said. When I asked him what was going to happen, I didn't need an answer. I knew what was going to happen. He was coming home with me and the baby and there would be no more of this nonsense. I think I almost felt that if I kept him talking and with me, he would realise how silly he was being to even think of leaving me. 
He stood up. He stood too far away for me to be able to touch him. He was wearing a black suit. We had often joked in the past about him wearing it to oversee receiverships and liquidations. Uh, and he looked grim and pale. And in a way, he had never looked more beautiful to me. I see you're wearing your undertaker suit, I said bitterly. Nice touch. He didn't even attempt a smile, and I knew then that I had lost him. He looked like James. He sounded like James. He smelt like James. But it wasn't James. Like some 50s science fiction film, where the hero's girlfriend's body is taken over by an alien, it still looks like her on the outside. Pink angora sweater, sweet little handbag, bras so pointy it would take the eye out of a spider, etc. But her eyes have changed. The casual observer might still think it was James, but I knew from looking at his eyes my James had left. Some cold, unloving stranger was in his body. I didn't know where my James had gone. Maybe he was in the alien spaceship with Peggy Jo. I've moved most of my things, he said. I'll be in touch. Take care of yourself. He turned on his heel and quickly left the ward. In fact, he almost broke into a run. I wanted to run after him, but the bastard knew that I was bedbound, courtesy of several stitches in my vagina. He was gone. <sighs> Here, Saoirse, like, you could be like an actress or something. For real. That was, that was really good. Like, seriously. But um, we're, we're out of time here for the, uh, the, this portion of the show. Um, let's, let's take a quick um, ad break while we collect ourselves here in the room. I have tissues for anyone who, who may be feeling a little teary. Um, and we'll meet everyone back in a couple of minutes for the last segment of Chicklet for Life. Get ready, because Denise Doyle is back for Semester 2's installment of Dadoy. Same time, same unflinching look at the issues that are affecting real students right now. Now, like, who keeps pissing outside the gym on Thursday nights? I ruined a new pair of runners on my way to body pump on Friday morning, and now I can't wear them again, like, ever. Like, like who are these people? Uh, the last caller needs to chill the feck out. Like, who who gets up and goes to the gym on Friday mornings? Like, do the words three euro Thursday mean nothing to you? Like, what a loser. Get her back on the phone. It was, it was her, wasn't it, the monkey bitch? Uh, who are you calling a monkey bitch? You. I'm calling you a monkey bitch, bitch. Do you want to meet me outside the binge building and say that? Oh, you just named a time and I'll be there. And that was just the first John Air fight. You gotta tune in. Dodoy. Half eight Thursdays. You can't afford to miss it. Who calls into that show, though? That wasn't you. Ah, uh, here, Katie, are you for real? I don't sound like that. These <laughs> fools all dubs kind of sound the same to us. That's racism. You have to be a different race for it. <laughs> Okay, I'm getting into kind of dicey territory here. Maybe if we swing back to talking about books and stuff instead of defining racism on air. So um, before the break, um, we had a quick excerpt of Watermelon, which which is the the book we're going to discuss over the rest of the show. Um, uh, where do you guys think we should start? Um, how about the language? I mean, me not allowed to say arsehole? Like, Saoirse was just talking about vaginas on air. 
Uh, and since when is vagina a bad word? Well, last time I checked, it wasn't a term you could just throw around in polite conversation. Which is exactly the problem, Chloe. I have a vagina, you have a vagina. Why should a vagina be such an off-limits word? Because you're saying it so very, very loudly. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, um, uh, vaginas aside, um, you know, if you can't beat him, join him, you guys. But um, maybe if we talk a little bit about like what resonated with us in the book, like we were saying earlier in the show, Sersha, Chloe gave you this book because you were having a tough time uh, getting over your breakup earlier in the year. Was was the book helpful um, in in dealing with that? Oh my god! Like like I was saying earlier, like it really, really, really did, and. I don't know, like, it's, like, clearly, it's, it's a love story, it's, um, ah, don't want to go too far into it, but, you know, like, clearly, Claire is, is dealing, she's reeling from, from James leaving her, and she, uh, we we don't really go into it in, in the excerpt that we read earlier, but, um, like Katie was saying in the summary, um, she goes home, she goes home to stay with her parents and, and her sisters, and, like, I don't know the 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 support that she gets, the personalities of the family, all all kind of melding together to to support her. It's 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 really special, and it just I don't know. It just it, it, I found it really really um, lovely. Now. I think it's important to say, like, it's it's not like the family are like all happy clappy, oh let's all hang out together, and oh we love you, Claire. It's it's real, like they're kind of mean and you know that's that's what I really liked about it I thought that the fact that the family were were they were all flawed everybody there was was kind of flawed that's what made them so like relatable exactly exactly clean and that's what I'm talking about like the the it probably sounds real silly but like the fact that even even Claire's two younger sisters, Anna and Helen, Helen, who is my actual spirit animal. Are you actually calling a person an animal? She's not a real person, Katie. Fair point. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, like, like, like they're, they're, it's not that they don't care about Claire, but like they're, they're there, they're slagging her. Um, they're, they're, oh, the two of them, I don't know what it, why it is stuck in my head so much but like they're always sleeping in each other's beds and that's exactly what Kylie and Grace at home are like. Them uh, YouTube tutorials might run late some nights I suppose they should really just sleep wherever is closest. Don't they say that about, about people who work real hard they just fall down and sleep wherever. Do do they say that? <laughs> are, you, are you worried that you should be just falling down and sleep on the bus? Sersha it means you're not working hard enough. No 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 no. <laughs> No, I wouldn't say that. That's not that. No, no, that's not fair. <laughs> Don't be mean. But like, yeah, I thought, yeah, the fact that Anna and Helen, like Anna's, they were so different as well. The way that like different sisters in in a family will be, like they're they're Anna was real soft, like, but a bit kind of disconnected from reality. The way a younger sibling will be, and then. Helen being like completely invincible again the way like a very youngest sibling will be like the fact that she doesn't care about what other people think and like it's oh it's exactly like my youngest cousins and them um I I don't really want to go into it too much I think people should just read it yeah I agree I think we couldn't really do Helen justice if we just tried to 
kind of yeah the do it from memory but like yeah i mean everybody has their own um personality and everything and yeah they're not like fawning all over her or anything but that kind of makes it even more like um meaningful i guess when like say james turns back up to talk about what's going on with with um with family what 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 um the next steps are with with their divorce and like everybody rallies around Claire to make sure that she she presents herself in the best way and that she she's as strong and independent as she can be. Yeah, and I think that's really interesting because I mean, obviously we we get to know Claire more throughout this book but also through through further books in in uh the Marion Keys canon, uh, as you said, Chloe. Um, there are more books um, based around the Walsh family uh, that we'll go into in, in in future shows. But what's interesting for me, anyway, is that we start out with Claire, and she says it even in in the the excerpt that we read, is that she started out being really independent and strong willed and stuff, and then she got married and kind of lost that. Um, and then we see her grappling with with um, who she is, San's husband, throughout a lot of the book. What did you guys think about that? Yeah, that was that was something that kind of hit me after reading it, and then you see Claire again in in other books that come after. Like it's it's really interesting to see someone pull themselves out of that kind of depression oh my god yeah and like uh, for me anyway I recognized so much of what Claire was going through like and and the way that um her emotions are like shown to us it's like it's not really oh poor me you know that kind of thing it's it's she describes what she's going through as like separate people almost that are like calling around to torture her like oh hey humiliation recognize you from you know a couple years ago didn't realize you were you know changed up your style it's it's I'm not really saying that properly which is kind of embarrassing but it's it's, I'm so sorry this is really nerve-wracking um I am trying to like get it across how how much of a difference it made like just the fact that you see someone hit their rock bottom at that time like they, they you know Claire loses a load of weight she's not eating she's drinking anything that she can get her hands on for for like like two weeks or something like that and um but at the same time she's she's helping to look after her baby she's trying to to think about what she's going to do afterwards and she she doesn't lose it you know she 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 makes small steps she she goes out and she 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 makes dinner for her family one day which which is a big deal in in the Walsh household. Oh, I love that Mammy Walsh can't cook cuz like my mom can't cook neither and like that resonated with me that you know some other families out there need to subsist solely on McCain's crispy pancakes and Magnums. All the major food groups there. Well, like, I don't have no deficiencies. I still have all my teeth. My nails aren't falling off. Sarah, have you thought about getting any sponsorship from HB or anybody like that? Um, I don't know if College Radio is uh, allowed to, to get sponsorship. I love that we're we're actually talking about this. These are the real questions, Kleena. Speaking of real questions, how have we not talked about like sexy shirtless Adam yet? Actually, that's a good point. Like, well done, Chloe, keeping your lady juices under control. Oh my god, oh, dude. So <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> I am. I really, really am. <laughs> but um 
So Chloe, I guess, do you want to introduce our viewers to uh, to Sexy Shirtless Adam? Well, I mean, I just don't know how we'd keep this show on course without me, Sarah. Like, I'd, should I be paid more? Are you getting paid? No, I can confirm that, uh, that no one is getting paid for, for a college radio show. But uh, moving along, Saoirse. Um, the Adam. Yes. Yes, Adam. <clears throat> so when we meet Helen, who just for the record for everyone. So the the Walsh family are from what I can see uncommonly good looking and um, what no one really within the family gets that they're real good looking except for Helen, that is. So we've got um, type A and type B. Type A are, are quite tall, uh, quite statuesque. Um, dark haired, just yeah, very, very uh, sporty kind of build, Serena Williams type. And uh, then we've got type B, who are small, short arses is is the the, the term coined in the books. Um, dark haired, kind of kind of feline quality. Um, with the Helen typifying the uh the the type B aesthetic. Jesus, what? You didn't expect me to know them words, did you? Did you, Katie? Hey, 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 here. I'm not. I'm not here to to start anything. <laughs> you better not. <laughs> um, so when we when we go to um to the Walsh house for the first time, um, so Claire has four sisters, two of whom are living in the states. Um, so there's Rachel, a bit of a party animal, likes partying a little bit too much, if you ask me, and uh, Margaret, Margaret, who's a um, bit of a stick in the mud, the good girl. The, uh, the the family white sheep, as it's termed. Um, and then uh, we've got Anna and, and Helen, as we were saying, who who live at home. Anna's a bit of a, a hippie, um, sort of doesn't have her feet on the ground, really, just is floating through life with, with mir- bits of mirrors attached to her skirt. That that seems to be the, the main identifying characteristic of our Anna. And uh, Helen, who, as we said, devil incarnate, lover, so much, absolute legend. Um... But Helen is doing a college course and I can't remember what it was in. It was something, humanities or something, I don't know. But one of her college mates is this uh, very tall, very uh, muscular, um, handsome gentleman. He's Zac Efron, basically. Oh my God, Lena, he is a bit like Zac Efron. Like present day, sexy Zac Efron, not like floppy haired... The uh, High School Musical Zac Efron that's, that's not what we're talking about but uh, <laughs> when uh, he, Adam comes into it he's kind of it looks like he's interested in Helen but there's there's a bit of a sexual tension between herself and uh, between Claire and and this Adam character and uh, we kind of get to watch them sort of a bit flirty you know bit you know are they going to get it together you know is James going to come back or is she going to follow this fellow it's very, very interesting. It's very interesting. And sexy. Yes. Yes. Very, very sexy. Thank you, Kleena. You're an excellent, uh, excellent ad You're adding an awful lot to, to the, the, the situation right now. Appreciate you. Appreciate you back. <laughs> well, uh, if we, if we interrupt the, the mutual appreciation society right now. Um, Adam, any, any thoughts to, to add on that one, Katie, Saoirse? Uh, he was, he was a little clean cut for me. Yeah, he didn't have them painted on jeans and no socks on, you mean? I thought he was really, yeah, it was, it was, it was kind of exciting to, to, yeah. Ooh, 
Sarah should have a bit of a sexual awakening <gasps> right now. No, stop, stop, stop. Chloe, <laughs> no. be nice. Like, come on. No, like, it's it's just, you know, it's just kind of cool. It was cool to, you know, have like a, a fantasy place to go and be excited about, you know, <laughs> after, after what I was going through. But um, no, it was just, uh, there is something really um, compelling about that first um, flush of like, oh, I think he likes me. Oh, maybe I like him too. That I don't know. I just it was really simple and straightforward and enjoyable. Um, and it was a big part of what made me want to keep reading between Claire's interactions with her family, her interactions with herself, and her interactions with Adam. Um, that was that was what what kept me uh, involved. I think. What about her interactions with James, though? That's really interesting, Katie. What What do you mean? Well, like, we saw it in the excerpt earlier, um, and we talked a little bit about it earlier on, but, like, Claire uh, seems to, like, have lost herself in, in this marriage thing. She's become, I don't want to say, like, codependent or anything, but she, she seems to, like like we said earlier, she's lost the power to make, like, decisions on her own. And James coming back um, to discuss kind of what's going to happen with with their marriage, with with the stuff they own together, all that kind of thing. Seeing how Claire deals with that and and how she uses what she's learned about herself um, in dealing with that, watching her become stronger um, and get get angry with him over the situation and not like feel like it's all her fault. Um, that's really cool because I think there's there's a, a really subtle kind of emotional abuse that we get a bit of a window into, kind of the the whole oh uh, that who's to blame for a relationship breaking up. Um, that's again I, I don't want to like give away too much by like saying too much, but I just I thought that was really really cool. Um, for someone to highlight in a book from like. A pretty long time ago like you know you read the book and like they're talking about divorce being illegal in Ireland stuff like that it's 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 pretty wild that that um someone was was writing about people blaming each other in that way and 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 what it takes to get over it back then I don't know if I agree totally with that Katie like it's it's not a bad thing to depend on people and like like her and James obviously they had a lifestyle where they where they relied on each other and then like yeah like maybe later on he took advantage of it but like that's that's how people need to live a lot of time and like and and like you see it with like her and her family as well like they they boost each other up like when it matters like we were saying earlier but like you see Helen's uh, her her way of being with people like she genuinely doesn't care and like I can't imagine being like that but it's 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 really cool that like she Claire can kind of learn from from her younger sisters who 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 don't care as much what other people think. Um, that that was kind of cool. Jeez, I didn't even like catch that at all. You think that she like learns stuff from from the other people around her and all? Yeah, definitely. Like when you're, I think when you're feeling like you don't fit in or that like there's there's something missing in you. And then you see someone who's like almost the same as yeah, um, acting in a way that like they don't care. They just do whatever. Uh, like it's 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 really it's you sort of begin to question here. Do I need to be like watching everything I say, or do I need to? Can I just act the same way as that person does? They seem to be the same as me. 
Oh my god, that sounds so sad. You think there are people like that? <laughs> Pretty sure I, yeah, I, I'd say there are a decent few people like that. It's so sad. Way to bring the room down, Cleena. Do we all need to talk a little bit more about what a riot Adam is? Just to bring the energy up a little bit? Are you going to talk about that regardless? I am, Katie. I really, really am. <laughs> oh God, he's such a ride. He's like Superman or something. Seriously. How many like pull-ups do you think he could do at one time? Oh my God, yeah, there's that scene in the gym. There is that scene in the gym, Saoirse. Good, good call. Good call. For li- all our listeners, There, there is a scene in the gym where where Claire and Adam go to they go to the gym and it's in the 90s so they're they're wearing spandex there are no pictures in this book dude you are supposed to use your imagination Katie I mean have you got no imagination this is <laughs> Sarah is this is this what you thought this show was going to be like I don't I don't know I I don't know what I thought this show was going to be like I'm I'm so confused. This is exactly what we set out to do, lads. This is this is a goal achieved right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I suppose it is. Um, well, we're you know we're getting close to to the end of the broadcast here. Uh, maybe if we if we look, actually, yeah, this was the thing I wanted to do to to wrap up. Maybe if we all pick a sort of a an Easter egg type thing for for folks to to look out for in the book. Um, when they're reading it, like say for me, the the thing that I would want someone to look out for um, and to go, aha, when they find it, um, because that's what you say when you find something, um, is um, there's a black pillbox hat mentioned in the book. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's that's a cool thing that would be good to, to keep an eye out for. Oh, uh, me? Um, okay. Um, for me, it would be... Um, <laughs> it would be Jamie Lee Curtis's uh, sexy, sexy body. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. All right. Um, for me, it would be. Um, oh, for me, it's um, an old bikini with the elastic almost all gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, yeah. So for me, it'd be um, a blue. I think it's a silk shirt. Yeah, a blue silk shirt. Um, and then for me, I I think it should be the uh, the key to the drinks cabinet. Oh, yeah. oh good shows. Okay. Um, very 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 nice. All actually, I'd forgotten about about most of those things. Um, but um, that aside, um, thanks everyone for for joining us today. Um, we are now one show deep into Chicklet for Life. Woo! Woo! Um, so uh, feel free to check out uh, marionkeys.com for more information on Watermelon and her other books. Um, also check out your local library. Um, you don't need to, I mean, sure, buy stuff. Um, definitely support um, the authors we're, we're going to be talking about. So for right now, that's Marion Keys. Um, but uh, we checked out the campus library. They've got two copies. Get your name down now, folks. Um, thanks so much for joining us. Um, Kino and the business are up next. What does every bike user need in order to be able to ride their bike successfully? That's right, two tires, one chain. And here at two tires, one chain, we keep that at the centre of our business model. Do you have a puncture and need to have it repaired? Or did some boy racer knock you off your bike this morning? Oh no, 
and now you need your boy put back together again or whatever. Well, come on down to the Oscar Wilde building every day this week after 4, where as part of College Enterprise Week, two tires, one chain, will be performing these and other bike related services. Come on down, our prices cannot be bet. Two tires, one chain. Like that channel?